Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the Lord. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't to play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have very Nation, welcome back to a another joyous episode of the Steelers Hangover. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and with me, as always, my good friend Brian Anthony Davis, fellow contributor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. How are you, Brian, this Monday evening? Jeff, elated is the word that comes to mind. In fact, I can get used to this feeling. I was getting used to that four-game losing streak where I was just like week after week. Oh no, here we go again. But now it's feeling, I feel regenerated, just like the Steelers seem regenerated, and I'm feeling ready to go into my structure on my friend. Well, that's good. I'm glad you feel great. I'm glad the Steelers are feeling even better. And they had some time off before this game, and it definitely showed they were crisp. Uh, Other than the penalties, there really wasn't much to gripe about in this game, but I always like to get your knee-jerk reaction, Brian, on the game, and what your thoughts were. We'll talk about game balls here in a second, but what was just your, you know, the game ends, you're sitting there, what what are you saying after the game? Well, you know, after the game, I'm thinking this was the litmus test that we were looking for. This is what we needed to plan the rest of our year, Jeff. Basically, you know, we needed to know what we had because wins against the hapless Browns team and a patchwork Colts team, you know, they're nothing you're going to put on your resume. But a Giants win was, you know, Ben found a weapon in Ladarius Green. And the front office found vindication for said tight end. And, you know, the defense, they found ways to limit a productive veteran quarterback who's probably a future Hall of Famer. And they also pretty much limited a Hall of, not a Hall of Famer, a Pro Bowl tight end and a dynamic, not tight end, a Pro Bowl wide receiver, the dynamic playmaker for most of the day. Sure, he had 100 yards, but most of them were basically in garbage time. So I'm thinking of the movie Trading Places. And the reason I'm thinking of it, there's a line of that movie where the two old fellas, they're uh, walking around, they're, they're feeling all good, and he says to his brothers, like, uh, looking good, Mortimer, feeling good, Randall. And that is how I feel right now, because the Steelers have traded places from their first half selves. And that's exactly what it seems they're doing. Mike Tomlin seems to get a team just lackluster, that's lackluster in the first half of the season, getting them ready for that stretch run. And here we go again, Jeff. Here we go again. 
first great movie reference, by the way. I thought that was very well done. I love that movie. Um, but still, uh, I look at this game, and I tell you what, my knee-jerk reaction was, this was, this was nice. I mean, this was one of those games, and, and I'm not going to go as far as to say it was as comfortable as the game that they had against the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this year where I felt like they – I think they were up by 20 points in the first quarter on this, and you're just sitting back enjoying it like, wow, I haven't felt like this in a long time. But this game was not as close as the score might indicate. And, and you know, I know I talked to people today that are – not Steeler fans, but they still want to talk about the the game. A lot of them are Ravens fans. Like, I didn't get to see the game, but uh, it seemed pretty close. And I was like, no, wasn't close at all. Uh, 24 to 7. But there were some key moments. I can't remember for the life of me. And, Brian, you have a memory like I do. You're a little bit older than I am. I cannot remember the last time a Steelers defense has been tested this many times in consecutive weeks in fourth down and goal or fourth and short in the red zone situations and the defense has not given up any points. It's insane to me. I mean, I can't, I can't put my finger on what's going on because ultimately, when you think about the Steelers' defense, you think, no, they're not that great. You know, I mean, it's the offense that's going to put up points. If the defense can just be good enough, then they could possibly win. But here, lo and behold, here we are watching this defense for the second week in a row stand tall on fourth downs. Uh, they were getting pressure on Manning, even though they only sacked him twice. This is a guy that was only sacked 13 times coming into this game. Tough to get to him, and they weren't necessarily sacking him. They weren't necessarily bringing him down or hitting him. What they were doing, though, is they were getting bodies around him. You could see he wasn't comfortable. He kind of looked like his brother Peyton with a little happy feet from time to time. I was very pleased. Can you remember a stretch like this, though, Brian, in terms of the fourth down, fourth situation, you know, all that stuff? Not not really, Jeff. I remember in 1997 against Jacksonville in a come-from-behind win. They had two goal-line stands in that game, and it was one that went into overtime with Cordell Stewart and uh, Jerome Bettis, um, leading them to a big victory, and that was the season they went all the way to the AFC Championship game and lost to, to Denver. But that was a defense that it was expected from back then. This is a defense that you're not expecting – anything from from the way that they started out the entire season. And it seems that Dallas game where they uh, where they just fell apart down the stretch in that final drive, that's the kind of game that demoralizes some teams. But for some reason, this team took that game to heart and built upon it. And that defense has been solid since that Dallas game. So I'm thinking that was their wake-up call when uh, – Everybody called everybody out after that game, and uh, they responded to it. So that's a mark of a team that doesn't want to give up to me. That's a mark of a team that is is uh, ready to find themselves and move on and uh, make a run to the playoffs. And uh, they have it in their head. They seem to have it in their hearts. Let's see if they have the ability to do it. But, no, I can't. Uh, besides 97 in one game, I don't – I didn't see a defense step up like this, especially one that wasn't expected to. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a unique situation. And before we go any further and talk about game balls, I want to say that our show and all of our shows here on the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast platform, which is titled The Standard is the Standard, uh, are sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in Western Pennsylvania and Northern West Virginia, home to one of the nation's top 100-ranked trial attorneys in Frank Walker, Check out his website at frankwalkerlaw.com. We'll be hearing more from him and his 
a wonderful company later on. But let's talk about, before we get to some callers, let's talk about game balls, Brian. If you're giving footballs away, one offense, one defense after this game, I'll give you the first go at it. Who are you giving game balls to after the Week 13 victory? Well, you know what? There's a lot a lot of candidates for this. You know, Ben, Le'Veon, Latharius, A.B., the offensive line. But they all weren't discussion. I want to give the game ball to one you wouldn't expect. That's Randy Bullock. He came in off the street <laughs> and just came in and with three for three, drilled those field goals, and they were very important field goals throughout the entire game. Because once again, that, that game – it ended up closer, even though it wasn't closer. Without those scores, you know, you you might get a little pinch, and uh, you might not have the cushion that you really did. So, I mean, there's so many candidates. I want to go for the underdog here, someone that just came in, playing against a team that cut him in the preseason, didn't have a job, knows that he probably isn't staying um, unless the abdominal injury to Chris Boswell is so much worse than what we know. And right, you know, early indications say that, uh, you know, he'll probably be back and be back soon. So uh, this guy came in and uh, with really nothing to lose, drilled three very nice field goals, especially the 44-yarder, the first one that he kicked, really, really made you think that, all right, something's going on, and this guy's bringing some magic to the team. So, I'm giving it to number two, Randy Bullock. On the defensive side of the ball, right. do you want me to go on with defense? Or do you want to go yeah, on go that? ahead. Go ahead with defense. No, go ahead with defense. On the defense you, you know what? I was uh, – I'm trying to anticipate who you, you're going with here. So I want to go the opposite direction. <laughs> I think I know who you're going with. Um, so I'm going to go with Lawrence Timmons. But Lawrence is sort of an obvious choice here. Um, but what he did, and not only the interception, which was a beauty. I mean, he jumped up in the air, he caught that ball, and he just rumbled. I mean, some 45 yards away. And that, that's a, I mean, they're on the nine-yard line. And that ball, I mean, Larry Donnell was open on that play. And Lawrence Timmons just made that play. And then he completely flipped the script, flipped the game, because at that point, you know, the Giants are back in the game, and it is a completely different story. Um, it reminds me of the situation you had in the great Super Bowl 43 with James Harrison, you know, taking that interception 100 yards at the end, completely flipped the score at the end of the half in that game. Because if the fortunes were different and the Arizona Cardinals score back in 2009 in that game, that's a completely different ball game. And that Lawrence Timmons pick made it a completely different ball game. But also, on, on other plays, when the other Steelers were making plays, when Sean Davis had his interception, you know who was in his face, in the quarterback's face, and had just a great rush up the middle that was almost lost because of the interception? Was the fact that Lawrence Timmons was in his face and he was tackling he was just all over the place yesterday, and it's a far cry from Miami when he's puking in the end zone, Jeff. So that, there's my game ball, Lawrence Simmons. <laughs> all right, well, those are two good ones. I, I like the Bullock pick. Um, I, I have the, I, the curiosity in me say that you try to figure out where I'm going to go. If you had to guess, who am I going to pick on offense and defense? Uh, offense, 
I'm actually going to say that uh, last last week you went with Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell, and that's a, a place where you can possibly go. So I think you're going to go Ben Roethlisberger on offense. On defense, you're going Sean Davis. Ah, okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. First, though, your offense is wrong. I'm going with Darius Green. Um, I think a lot of people would say that, you know, maybe there are players that deserve it more. Ben had a great game. He's very efficient, I thought. The interception that he threw, uh, I thought Eli Rogers might have, maybe could have fought for that a little bit more. But, but Darius Green, it's more about the journey than it is the game. Um, and I look at Darius Green, and I just remember all the fans, you know, the ankle injury, and they're, they're saying, oh, this guy's a bum, and what, what a waste of money is what they're saying. And Ladarius Green, then there's rumors of the headaches and the concussion issues and potential retirement. And I even tweeted that after the game yesterday. I said, remember those times when everyone said Ladarius Green was going to retire and was never going to play for the Steelers? Those were the days. And you could take it full circle to when he has the back-to-back games. He had two big catches against the uh, – the Colts last week uh, on Thanksgiving, and then this game he has six catches for 110 yards and a touchdown. He's averaging over 22 yards per catch. Um, it's just great to see the turnaround. Uh, I love it when fans have to eat crow, and sometimes that includes me. Um, I love it when they have to say, man, I was wrong about that guy. And maybe with Darius Green is not going to be everything that we expected, but for for one game, he was. And for that I'll give him the game ball. So Ladarius Green gets my game ball. On defense, now you got it right. Sean Davis, my gosh, I, I'm I'm really starting to like this kid. I mean, he's a rookie that's playing a lot better. I, I think what impressed me impresses me most about him is the way that he attacks the line of scrimmage. Uh, a lot of people weren't sure about him, and I hated how people criticized his tackling. When he was at the University of Maryland, I think you want to say in his career he tallied over 300 tackles. That's an insane number. I mean, that tells me a guy can tackle. And he tied with Timmons and Burns as the leading tacklers of the game. He had four solo tackles, seven total, one tackle for lost pass defense, and he tallied his first interception of his career. And now let me take a quick aside here and say, for all those fans out there that were screaming and hollering and saying, oh, well, you know what, he should have knocked it down to his fourth down, just shut up. I mean, plain and simply, just shut up. <laughs> First and foremost, if it weren't for the Artie Burns phantom block in the back, which was not a block in the back at all, he would have had the ball well beyond the line of scrimmage, and it wouldn't have even, even mattered. Second, I think if you put Troy Polamalu in that situation, even as a veteran, he's probably catching that football because in his mind he thinks, if I get this football in my hands, I can make a play, and I might get to take it back to the house. And Sean Davis had a great return. So shut up with the whole he shouldn't have caught the ball. I know from a couch you can say that. But when you're playing the game of football at the NFL level, at the highest level, you see that football and you haven't had your hands on the ball yet as a rookie and it's your first chance, you're, you're grabbing that football and you're taking it as far as you go. And the Steelers weren't any worse for the wear. I know that the, I think that was the drive that Lady Ondell fumbled. But still, don't fault the rookie for intercepting the pass. He is turning into a really good complement to Mike Mitchell, who would probably be, if, if Sean Davis is my game ball, Mike Mitchell is my 1B or my second game ball if I were giving out two. Mitchell had uh, two pass defenses. He was much better from terms of angles and tackling. But what I like is he brings a force to that secondary. I mean, when he came – let me say this. If, if a quarterback's going to throw the football across the middle and they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, you better have your head on a swivel. And what I like about Mike Mitchell is he's doing it legally. 
they they threw the flag because he hit him so hard, and I can't remember the name of the tight end, but he hit him so hard. But he is hit, hitting him with his shoulder directly in that strike zone that the NFL wants. So if the NFL is going to start flagging him for those hits, then they literally are going to take tackle football out of out of, out of the game because he is doing it 100% legally. So Mike Mitchell impressed me as well. Those are my two. What do you think about that, Brian? you agree or disagree? I agree completely, completely with Ladarius Green. Um, he was going to be one of my picks. And, um, in fact, I, uh, I was going back and forth between Bullock and Green, but I, I went ahead with Bullock. But, Green, what a fantastic story he is right now. I was one of those guys that gave up on him just for the fact that it, it, something just did not seem right. It was, it was curious. It was a mystery the entire time. And it just seemed like, you know, you had something here that was just never going to happen. And then you heard these rumors about, you know, he might never play and blah, blah, blah. Then you start to believe it. I started to believe it. But uh, once he got in there, he, he, uh, it took him a little bit of a while, and they forced the ball to him on the first two-point conversion against Dallas, just, and just as I predicted, because they were going to try to get him in right away. And they, they forced it to him, and uh, he just didn't have the rapport with Ben yet. But the, that rapport started to grow um, in Indianapolis, and those were big catches for a lot of yards. I would like to see um, where he is as far as averaging yards per, per reception. He's not going to be among the lead leaders just because he can't. But if you put all players in the third disqualifiers in the statistical category, he's probably at this point leading the league in yards per reception, even though it's, a, uh, it's only 11 catches at this point. But he's very impressive. He's bringing the dynamic to the team that they lost when they lost uh, a guy like Martavis Bryant. So he's the receiver that's going to take the onus off of number 84, Antonio Brown. And Ben is uh, Ben's getting comfortable with him. He still has, uh, he still has some drop potential, but they all do. But uh, he's uh, catching the ball more than he's dropping it. And with each catch, he's getting a whole lot more comfortable, and he's becoming a whole, a whole lot more part of Steeler Nation with every single catch yet. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, I was about to go Sean Davis, but I anticipated you, and that's why I, uh, <laughs> I went away from it. I, I love everything about Sean Davis. I, uh, I've been singing, um, singing songs about him at the top of the mountain um, since they drafted the kid. I love everything that he brings. Um, I felt terrible when he had that, that penalty against Dallas that a lot of people really put the bullseye on him at that point. I know there was talk about tackling, but uh, I was, I was uh, thinking about it then. And in fact, when he had the penalty against Dallas, both my wife and I were wearing Sean Davis jerseys, um, probably more because of the last name because we wanted a jersey with our name on it. But uh, we, uh, it's a guy that we kind of adopted. And uh, I've been following him, and I love what he does. I love Artie Burns. I like Javon Hargrave. I think all of these, all three of these guys, you know, can be in the discussion for all rookie teams. That's how rich they are with this rookie class. But uh, Sean Davis, he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing. He's supposed to struggle early in his pro career. That's what rookies do. I mean, Troy Polamalu in 2003, I say this all the time, was labeled a bust. You hardly – the first time you saw Troy Polamalu in 2003 
was late October against the St. Louis Rams at home. I believe it was their 1,000th, um, the team's 1,000th game, and they had a big celebration, and uh, he missed an interception, but that's the first time you saw him on the field. And uh, people were wondering, oh, hey, we finally get to see this guy. But everybody was down on that guy, and then he got a chance to play, and then the rest is, of course, history. Sean Davis has basically been playing since the very beginning of the season. He's already supplanted Robert Golden at that safety position, and he's learning and getting better every week. He is a quality individual. He's a character guy. And, you know, as far as the, uh, the interception, you know, you mentioned that no rookie's going to pass it up. Jeff, let's be, let's be real. A veteran's not going to pass up a chance at an interception. Nobody is because there are too few chances for anybody in this league. And exactly what you said, you have, if you have the faith in your own ability of what you can do with the ball, you're catching that ball. You're not going to bat it down. You're not going to drop it. It's easy for us to second-guess it. But, no, I mean, for anybody, for every single chance you have to make your name in this game, you do it. And that's exactly what he did. And he is making the Davis name look better than I do, Jeff. So I'm proud of him, and I'm really thinking that we have a potential superstar on our hands. Yeah, I mean, it's early to say that, but I'll tell you what, the, the, the defensive picks that they made in the first three rounds really look good. But I, I want before we get to the phone calls, and if you're listening, phone lines are open. You can call on 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. You talk about Ladarius Green, he just looks awkward. I might just see his mannerisms, the way he carries himself. When he catches the football, sometimes it just looks downright painful. I think about that third and seven completion where Ben Roethlisberger really stepped into the throw, and I, I tweeted this out on our Behind the Steel Curtain Twitter feed. You can follow us at BT Steel Curtain. I said, it looked like he just got shot with a bullet. I mean, the thing back to those old Westerns, you know, when they get shot, and they kind of go over and they keel <laughs> over and oh, and they fall over. Watch that replay, and it's just exactly what it looks like. It looks like he just got shot with a bullet. Nonetheless, um, He's a good addition. He's an addition they desperately need since Sammy Coates has basically evaporated from the face of the earth because of two broken fingers. But nonetheless, uh, we um, let's get to some phone calls, shall we? Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. All right, here we go. We have our Hall of Fame caller on the air, uh, Vito Mankin from New Jersey. How's it going, Vito? Gentlemen, good evening. Great win yesterday. I liked the way they were spreading it around. Again, they were using Bell a lot, as usual, which they should. I mean, the guy's incredible what he could do and how the offense could move the ball 
uh, with him, you know, open those holes, and, you know, he makes things happen even when there's nothing there at times. Uh, my only concern, of course, is moving forward. I know we're celebrating three wins in a row. I think the road gets harder now. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because you look at at how Baltimore's playing. They look like they're now getting in stride, and I, and I don't know if they're going to lose any more games. I mean, everybody's under the impression that the Patriots are going to beat them. But you know what? The Patriots got their own injuries right now. They're missing Gronk and they're missing Edelman, and if the Ravens step up and their defense holds them, I think the Ravens could pull it off. And if you look at the game against Miami, they commanded that game from the very beginning. And it reminded me a lot of the game with Pittsburgh and the Cowboys. The Steelers were dominating the Cowboys in the first half, and if the defense probably would have played a little better, I think we would have had that game over after the first half because we were scoring and we were moving the ball at will. So... That's my only concern moving forward. Um, I guess it still bothers me that we don't have a number two receiver that we re- we could really count on. I know that Darius Green is coming along, but I still wonder what this team would be like if we had a number two. Because remember, losing Martavis Bryant, then lo- losing Marcus Wheaton. I know we got the young guy in there that could step up and make some plays, but I still wonder about that, you guys. What do you think going down the stretch? I mean, I think it's going to be a tough matchup against the Bills, and the weather's supposed to be really cold this weekend, too. So, I mean, they got a good running game just like we have. It's my only concern moving forward. Looks like we're going to have to win every game. Well, I don't think there's any more room for error. You know, Vito, um, to touch on your topics one at a time, uh, you talked about the Ravens first. Um, I watched them as all of that Ravens game on Sunday against the, the, the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, I mean, they reverted back to the way they were playing prior to when they got on that streak. Uh, real sloppy, real lackadaisical, no real sense of urgency. And the Ravens showed us play. They played their best game. But in no way, shape, or form do I think the Ravens are going to win out. Um, they still have some tough games on their schedule, one of them being at Heinz Field against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they have to play the Patriots, and they host the Eagles in their last home game of the year. Then they go to Pittsburgh, and then they finish up in Cincinnati. Uh, and don't think for a second that the Cincinnati Bengals won't, if they're not in the in the playoffs, discussion, which I doubt they will be, um, that they wouldn't want to really knock them off at the end of the season. But again, if the Pittsburgh Steelers hold serve and, and win out, it doesn't matter. And so that brings up the discussion of this upcoming game against Buffalo. In my opinion, and this is all retrospect and hindsight, I think that this Buffalo game is going to be a bigger, possibly I guess you would call it like a pivotal turning point for the Steelers than the game that just happened at Heinz Field. Why? The Steelers at home in December, I think they've only lost nine games since that stadium opened in 2001. And you think about that, it's just ridiculous. But um, they're so good at home. And so they can go on the road after a big win against the Giants, stay focused, play play well, and win the game. Well, that speaks volumes to me. And then I like the way they play at Paul Brown Stadium in, uh, in Cincinnati. That's basically like home away from home for them. Um, they typically win there. I like their chances there. So I think this game coming up against Buffalo could be one of the more challenging ones for them to stretch for the Steelers. And lastly, your third point about the number two receiver, I'm I'm going to be I'm going to go against the grain here, Vito, and I think that this Steelers team not having a number two receiver could be a blessing in disguise because what you've seen the last three weeks has been a dedication to running the football, and it's not that Roethlisberger's not capable. He is. He's proven that time and time again. 
but he's better when it's a balanced offense. And you've seen that the last three weeks. When Le'Veon Bell is getting those 25 rushes, and I'm not talking touches, I'm talking about rushes, he is one of the best backs in the National Football League. And although everyone talks about his receiving skills, he can also run the football. The Giants hadn't given up a 100-yard rusher in over a year, over a calendar year. I think it was week 16 of last season that they gave up a 100-yard rusher, and he rushed well over 100. He's gone over 100 for the last three games. He's leading the league in yards from scrimmage. If they had a number two receiver, I'm not sure this would have happened. I'm not sure that they would have turned to the running game and said, this is Le'Veon Bell's show. And, and you know, for the website, I do a five questions with the opposing editor of whoever they're playing. And they always ask a similar question, how do you slow down the Steelers' offense? And my answer now is one answer, and it's always the same, and it's you have to stop Le'Veon Bell. If you can take Le'Veon Bell, not allow him to get running yards, and make him a wide receiver, that's where you want the Steelers' offense. But if he's running the football, and I give Todd Haley a ton of credit for sticking with the run when there were times against the Giants where they could have easily said, you know what, scrap it, let's sling the rock, and they didn't. They stuck with the game plan, and it worked. They grounded, they grinded out the game. They really dominated that time of possession and controlled the clock. And uh, that's what the Steelers need to do. Brian, what are your thoughts on those three topics? The Ravens, the number two receiver, and the Steelers down the stretch. Well, let me first go to the number two receiver since uh, you were just discussing it. Uh, I have a few things to say about that. First of all, Le'Veon Bell is, um, in all intents and purposes, the number two receiver on that team. But now that you have Ladarius Green getting comfortable in the mix, like I said before, he's taking the target off of A.B. And with a guy like Antonio Brown, I don't know if you necessarily need another guy grabbing a whole bunch of catches because you have a little bit of a, a diva in Antonio Brown. I, I mean, I have no problem saying that that needs to get his targets, needs to have the ball towards him, and needs to have the glory. And I have no problem with that because he cashes in. But now you have somebody taking uh, a lot of double teams and some attention away from him. I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with him being the uh, bell cow as a wide receiver. We also have a guy in Eli Rogers who I think is not getting a lot of opportunities right now, but when the ball goes towards him, when it counts, He's pulling it in. I don't see a lot of drops from Eli Rogers, and he could be a kind of guy like Marcus Wheaton where um, you're not exactly spectacular, but you're efficient, and that's all you need. You just need pieces of the puzzle with this offense right now, and I think that you have a quarterback that knows how to spread the ball out, knows where to find the hot hand. Um, he's going go, to go to a guy like Jesse James. And Jesse James had – uh, a drop or two yesterday that was just the first one was inexcusable. Um, in fact, Jesse James had an inexcusable, inexcusable drop from uh, Landry Jones last week. And if I was Landry Jones, I go to Roger Spray Vogel and I say, put some icy hot in this jock because that was inexcusable. You need to be punished for that. I, I, I joke, but you need to have guys like that, you know, step up. But Ben is very good about going back to that receiver after they struggle. And if you notice, when he went back to Jesse James, he hauled in a very important ball and hauled in another one too. So they have some, a lot more even distribution on that offense that, that actually seems to be. 
So I'm comfortable with the receiver situation now that uh, Ladarius Green is becoming more dangerous. But Antonio Brown is the guy, always will be the guy. He has 11 touchdowns. And at this point, he's the guy who is going to make it happen for the most part. Now, as far as the Baltimore Ravens, uh, very early in the season, I made a comment that uh, if this team keeps on going and they beat a team like the Raiders, which they did not beat the Raiders, but they almost did, but a team that's, even if they're playing bad teams, when they start winning and they start getting confidence and they start feeling like they can do it, they become very dangerous. And that's exactly what's happening with the Baltimore Ravens now. They are getting the confidence. They're playing above their heads, but they're still doing enough to win. And um, as, that, as that grows, they grow. And then they believe that they are unbeatable, and I think that's something that's happening. And I'm going to talk about this a little later on in the show in my final thoughts. But, you know, I feel like this is all going to culminate in a showdown on Christmas Day between these two teams, and that's what it's going to come down to. As far as the Ravens' schedule, you know, Jeff, you broke it down earlier. Um, I like to believe that a team like the Eagles, even though they're struggling now, are still dangerous because that team is always dangerous. They still have that defense. Um, they still have some weapons on that team. Uh, they, can, they can give the Ravens a run. As far as the Patriots, I'm never going to count them out because Bill Belichick made a deal with the devil some time ago. I didn't know exactly what the terms were, but they always find a way to win with, with, with somebody. In fact, Vito, I think we could suit you up. I've never seen you in person, but I think we could suit you up at running back and you could probably get a 100-yard game in that offense because Bill Belichick, as much as I hate to say it, is a genius, and he knows how to prepare those players and to motivate those players. And I just – I still think on a Monday night stage that uh, the Ravens have to be something very, very special to pull this game off. And, you know, Jeff, you took the words right out of my mouth as far as the Cincinnati game goes. Cincinnati wants nothing more – to beat them. Just like when the Baltimore Ravens beat Pittsburgh in week 16 last year, I was at that game. That was the Super Bowl for those fans. That made their whole season for those fans, just the fact that they beat Pittsburgh twice. Now, Cincinnati, if they go ahead and ruin them for the playoffs, which it always seems that at the last week of the season, it's Cincinnati and Baltimore, just like it's Pittsburgh and Cleveland the last week of the season. It always seems to be those two teams and those two teams always seem to spoil the other one's chances. The underdog in that game always seems to come up big because they're playing something, playing for something more, and they're professionals, and they just don't want to go out on that, that sour note. So that seems, like, that seems like what's been happening lately in that entire AFC North. So I don't know. I don't think Baltimore's going to win out. But if they do, they deserve it, and they're, they're, they're putting something special together there. I just don't think it's going to happen, but I think Christmas Day is where it's all going to come down to. As far as the third question, I've talked so long, I don't even know what it is, Jeff. <laughs> well, that, that means it's time to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Hey, no problem, Vito. Take it easy, buddy. Have a good night.
Good night, Vita. All right, let's get on with our next caller. That's a lot of questions to answer. They had to get them all, you know. What are you going to do? All right, next caller, 347-605-7473. You're on with Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. What's up, guys? Ken from New Jersey. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Ken? How you doing? I'm doing great, doing great. Enjoyed the game. Was afraid at any time to uh, to celebrate. <laughs> I was. This is probably the quietest I've been watching the game um, this se- this season. I think I cheered when when Antonio caught his touchdown and when Green caught his touchdown, and uh, that might have been it. <laughs> just kind of waiting. It, it, it really did play out the Cowboys game. That's why, and I was kind of waiting for the other foot to drop in it. You know, it never happened. The defense just cranked it up, so I was proud of that. Um, I, I want to – it's something that um, I think you said, Jeff, as far as the second receiver. Everyone's talking about that. And my thing is – so in the beginning of the season with Sammy Coates, that was the narrative. We need – who's going to fill that second receiver with Martavis out? And they were kind of running the offense from the outside in. <clears throat> so they'll start, you know, throwing deep. And it was it – was, relying on the big plays and, all right, it's third and two. If you don't get it, then, you know, you're three and out when you could have just ran the ball or, you know, threw something that's short to Eli and get a first down. Now they're running the offense inside out. So it's a lot of kind of like a ground and pound um, in short passing game. And now with the tight ends with, between Jesse James and Ladarius Green, he's forcing that safety to not cheat on Antonio Brown's side. Now they're going to start – you know, all right, now we got to look out for Ladarius Green, and that's going to open things up even more for bigger plays with Antonio Brown. Um, so I, I think it's a little overrated to have a bona fide second receiver. What's been happening is there's been a big catch when necessary from Kobe Hamilton, a big catch when necessary from Eli Rogers, you know, a big catch from other guys. Um, and they're the open guy. So they're kind of filling the void of what a second receiver would be doing in this offense. Um, so I, Ben has been taking care of the ball more. I think he's getting hit less. Um, it, the offense seems to be a lot more calculated. So what, what do you guys think about that? And I, I want to talk about the defense a little too, but that's my take on this, uh, on this offense, the way it's been over the past month. Um, for me, uh, you know that I agree with the – the obviously the number two wide receiver thing it it really is um, like beating a dead horse. It's it, it, it's pretty apparent that Sammy Coates is not going to be healthy this year. If he is, it's not going to be until close to the playoffs. Even then, and you hear reports from beat writers like Mark Cavalli and, and Dustin Pirac of DKPittsburghSports.com and Dale Lolly of the Washington Observer Reporter. All these play these guys that are at practice every day and they're saying. We're watching Sammy Coates make all these catches in practice, and yet they go out in the game and it's, you don't even see him. You don't even see it. And that's kind of bothersome to me, but at the same time, it is what it is. And so I think if the Steelers – simple. The Steelers have a recipe for success, and it's like you said, it's inside out. Run the football. I, I'd love to go back, and if I have the time, I'm going to do this, and look and see how many times Le'Veon Bell had over 25 carries uh, when he was healthy in 2014 and 2015. At least in 2015, I don't think it happened very often. That was a very small sample size. The late young Bell, when he gets those carries, he is typically going to get over 100 yards. It's just the type of running back he is. That's when this team is the best. I've often said it. I said it last Wednesday on the standard of the standard with Lance Williams. 
this team's philosophy now almost is like my on offense at least, like the two thousand and five offense. Uh, you run the football and it sets up play action and Roethlisberger is much better than he was then and you make plays in the passing game when they're there and that's what he's doing. And Roethlisberger is twenty four for thirty six, pretty efficient, two eighty nine, uh, two touchdowns, one interception, ninety eight uh, passer rating. It was a good game for him. So that's what I think. Brian, what do you think? You know, I like exactly what uh, Ken said about uh, Kobe Hamilton and Eli Rogers, uh, just for the fact that, you know, you have to worry about all of those guys stepping up. And, you know, they don't need eight, nine targets a game. They may need two or three uh, to keep defenses honest. And they're all capable of burning you. And you have the right guy to find them in Ben Roethlisberger. And as far as the uh, second receiver situation, you know, it's in our DNA as Pittsburgh Steelers fans to, even when things are going well, to worry about something and complain about something. That's what we do, and this is right now the flavor <laughs> of the month for the Steelers. There's going to be another flavor of the month really soon, as soon as this one is squashed. It's going to be something else. It's going to be the narrative that everybody's talking about, but mark my words, there will be something. You know, this team could win the Super Bowl, and immediately, instead of celebrating, there's <laughs> a bunch of Steeler fans that will come out and say, okay, what are we going to do now, though? I don't know if we can repeat. I don't think it's possible. We have all this happening. That's exactly what we do. So, you know what? Just sweep it under the rug and come up with your next one because as far as I'm concerned, they have the recipe for success on this. They know exactly what they're doing, a whole lot more than us. And if we did, we'd be making that paycheck. We'd be collecting it, and uh, they'd be complaining about us. Uh, I think you're right about that. And what was your, um, I, what was your defense yeah, yeah, question? Just, yeah, I have a question about that. I, I just, as far as closing the Sammy Coast thing, I just think that – I think Mike Tomlin, um, he doesn't, like, think of the Jets game when Colts was his dropping one. And I don't think he likes the up and down. I think he likes to keep things in his control and be in the system. I think he's purposely – he's going that direction rather than betting on Sammy. He does not want to bet on Sammy. That's what my gut is telling me. That's why he's not in the game. Um, now, as far as the defense, from what I'm seeing, this is this is looking like the old Blitzburg a little bit. You know, it's getting me excited because these guys can cover. They have cover skills, and they're fast, and they can hit also. And I think it's a good mix of older guys and younger guys. And um, I, what is it going to take for the narrative to start to change on how the Steelers' defense is? Because right now it's still oh, the offense is great, but the defense, you know, then you know that secondary. Well, you know, you guys haven't been watching the last, you know, maybe four to six weeks. Um, the the secondary has not been that bad, and you know, got already burned out there making tackles. He looked great yesterday, just stopping people in their tracks. I don't think anyone's talking about that. I was really excited to see that. So, how long? What do you think it'll take for the narrative to start to change on the defense? You know, like Brian said, Steeler Nation is very fickle. They're very spoiled. And I think they're a lot like, Ken, the way you described, you watch the football game. They're kind of waiting for the other shooter drop. They're waiting for that 42-second brain fart against the Cowboys. Uh, They're waiting for that Jay Ajayi to absolutely run rap shot all over their defense. And it's going to take them making, okay, so the Giants was definitely a step in the right direction. If you have your finger on the pulse of the fan base the way that I do as the editor of a pretty major website, 
the, the, the dynamic and the, the fan thought on it is starting to change. But if they can go up to Buffalo and shut down LaShawn McCoy and really pin in Tyrod Taylor and just do their job and win that game, well, then they're going to be even more on their side. Then you win on Christmas Day against the Ravens, and I think then you're sold. If the Steelers' defense keeps this up, then, you know, I, they're sold. But for me, it's not a surprise because if you go back to 2015, it was this, almost the same exact stuff that we're talking about in 2016. We're talking about changes that need to be made. We're talking about a team that was really sloppy, a team that gave up a lot of yards but was pretty stingy with points. And then all of a sudden, in the back half of the season, what happened? Brandon Boykin comes in, they start playing better. And believe it or not, that defense was a big reason why the team went as far as they did. So now you fast forward to this season, and it's almost the same exact thing. It really shoddy play at the beginning of the season. They make some changes. They insert some rookies. And next thing you know, they're starting to get comfortable. The, the game's not really too big for them anymore. And now they're starting to play good football. And so I expect them to keep this up. Brian, what do you think? Well, you know, what I'm the entire time you were talking, uh, the first thing that I thought of is the 2017 draft. Now, bear with me on this. The 2006 and 2015, you mentioned that. But the entire time in 2015, we were talking, 2016, we have to draft corners. We have to draft a safety. We've got to do that. I mean, it's imperative. That's what's killing us. Right now at this point, I don't think we're talking about that. We're talking about other things. Um, we're not worried about 2017 like we were worried about 2016 as far as a draft. Because we have, we have some players in place right now that we see as building blocks to a future that are going to change that narrative. So that's what I'm pretty comfortable with at this point. Now, you have some other players that are really stepping up. And one guy that, now, he wasn't dynamic on the stat sheet, but the return of Bud Dupree has also, you know, that's also facilitated a little bit of a change as far as the way the defense is playing. I mean, they seem to be flying around a whole lot more. I know that's not due to one guy, but his inclusion has made a has also uh, come with the start of a big change. Now, what I really want to see is this Buffalo game. I want to see how they could handle a running quarterback, but I want to see how they handle one of the best running backs in the game. And if they can go ahead and do that, then you know that they are on the right track. And I think that they're building towards that. They shut down some decent runners. I mean, I know they're not tearing up the stat sheet, but Frank Gore and Rashad Jennings, they have, they have had flashes of brilliance in the past. And you cannot, you cannot uh, think for a minute that if you let those guys alone that they're not going to burn you because they can. They're, very, they're talented veterans. And you have a guy like Shady McCoy, that uh, if they key on and they game plan this just right, that uh, they could go ahead and really change things on defense and start viewing it as a strength because it keeps on going up week after week. I'm looking forward to, to tomorrow just to see exactly where they are ranking in the league against the rush and overall. Now, they went from being ranked 30th just about three weeks ago in defense against the pass, and last week they were all the way up to 22, and I think they might actually break 20. As an overall defense, their last week they ended up ranked 18th when they were perennially, uh, excuse me, uh, typically throughout the whole year, 25 and 26. So even 
on the stat sheet that is changing for this defense. And uh, you might just see this team in the top 50% in the league in total defense at the end of the year. And that, that to me, is a change in narrative. That means that this defense has actually uh, picked themselves up from the bootstraps and, uh, and started to believe in what they can do and how they can do it and start being on the above average side of, of a defense. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. There's a time and a place for black and white. Like when you're learning to play piano. Or when you want a big two-toned cookie. Or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing. From banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Yeah, so am I. We didn't can. Well, that's all I got. That's all I got tonight, guys. Thank you. You guys do a great job. Hey, no problem. Hey, thanks as always for the time call. We appreciate it. All right, we have one more caller. Before we get to that caller, let's hear a word from our sponsor, Smart Frank Walker Law. stupid. Those strobing lights in your rear view, that flashlight shining in your face. License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh, I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please. Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a smart move. For DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805. 412-532-6805 or FrankWalkerLaw.com. So you've done something stupid, like or put money against the Steelers at Heinz Field. That's a stupid bet. Nonetheless, Frank Walker is not going to help you with that. But he can help you if you have any actual problems, like actually in jail. So if you have any issues like that, contact Frank Walker, and uh, he'll be able to help you out. FrankWalkerLaw.com. Let's get this caller on the air. Here we have 860-306-4000. You're on with Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. How you doing, fellas? Hey, what's up? Um, I just wanted to talk about (laughs) – the ends, as we call it, um, talking about how the Buffalo game could be a letdown game, especially after we've had, you know, three successful games, three three wins in a row. Um, do you see a possibility of the Steelers going out to Buffalo and laying an egg, um, coming off a high, basically beating a team who was 6-0? and um, We've been let down before, and I just wanted to know if you guys see that happening. Is that a possibility? I guess it is, but do you see that happening? 
Um, for me, I mean, I, I think it's always a possibility. I mean, history is is obviously history. I mean, it's happened. But I think that the Steelers, after going through that four-game losing streak, I think they have a new sense of focus. I think they realize what needs to happen to win. Uh, what scares me about this game is not so much that it's a trap game or anything like that. The Bills aren't a bad team. They're 500. They're 6-6. Six and six, And going on the road is tough. I mean, it's tough in any anywhere, but when you go to Buffalo in the winter, it's December, it's going to be cold, could be snow. Um, it's going to limit what you can do. And so the Buffalo Bills have a good running back. They have a very mobile quarterback, and that typically doesn't bode well for a Steelers defense. Now, they've done it in the past, but it's going to be on the offense to do what they did against the Giants, come out and move the ball, control the clock, run the ball themselves, and actually – put the pressure on the Buffalo Bills to change their game plan. They're going to want to come out and do the same thing. So if the Steelers can get an early lead, it makes them one-dimensional, puts the game on Tyrod Taylor, and that's where the Steelers want to be. Um, could it be a trap game? Absolutely. But at the same time, do I think it will be? I'm going to say no. What do you think, Brian? You know what? I really don't think it's going to be a trap game at all. Um, yes, there is a possibility of it. But this seems to be the team – that they have done this in the Mike Tomlin era over and over and over again. Two and six on the front nine, six and two on the back nine. That's uh, happened so much. You know, this Mike Tomlin has never had a team below 500. But where he has struggled, we've talked about it all the time, is against sub-500 teams on the road. And this isn't a sub-500 team. This is a talented bunch. It's a good test. So I'm looking at this as being more of a test than a trap, but the way they're playing now and the way that I feel they're motivated and the, they are who we think they are, that they're going to go ahead and pass this test. It's not going to be easy, but they went in three years ago to Buffalo um, needing to go on a win streak um, to uh, qualify for the playoffs, and they did not because of the whole uh, Ryan Suckup thing in Kansas City blowing in against San Diego where they would have made the playoffs, but it was a late Buffalo game in the swirling snow, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing well at the time, and they went in and beat them. And I can just see that uh, not being a, a factor this time around. Um, they need to step up against good competition. I feel that uh, they feel they need to play good competition to play better, and that's exactly what they do. So, yeah, it could be a trap, but I don't think it's going to be. I actually feel more confident than I did against the Giants in this game. Really? I, I think this is – I agree with you, this being one of the biggest tests of the year because it's an away game against a pretty solid team, not you know not necessarily a good team or a bad team, but a pretty solid team with a hell of a run game and from, you know, before the last game was supposed to be a pretty good defense. Um, so, you know, Rex Ryan is going to have some things for what goes on in a still offense. I just hope that, you know, we, we bring the heat. It seems like we kind of wilt when other teams are a lot more aggressive than – than than us to start the game, and I just I just want us to play well. So I thank you guys for the for the for the chance to talk to you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for the phone call. We appreciate it. You know, Brian, looking ahead of this game, I mean, the the Bills are going to be playing for their for their season, their lives essentially. Uh, their playoff lives are going to be on the line. They have everything to lose, and really, I mean, I should say they have everything to gain. They have everything to lose, and this is their season essentially. If they lose this game. On Sunday, they fall to 6-7, and seven and they're basically done. Because uh, the only way they're getting in is with the wild card. So they need to win this game to get to 7-6 and six and try to hang around 
and it's up to the Steelers to put them out of their misery. You know, sometimes you got to take it, take a team back behind the woodshed, and you got to put them out of their misery, and that's what Big Ben and the Steelers have to do this weekend. Um, it seems like the colors have kind of dried up a little bit for us, Brian, so I think it's a good time to get into our final call. It's the Steelers hangover, which is you don't need a master's degree to figure out the correlation between those two, but go ahead with your final call for the night. Bartender, I would like to order up a quote from Yogi Berra. It's deja vu all over again for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Jeff, after a rash of injuries and losses that really challenged the middle of this team, Mike Tomlin once again has found his Steelers finding themselves finding themselves. And that's exactly what they seem to be doing right now. They are finding out who they are down the stretch, and they want to see if they're going to qualify to keep us going. And this team wants to keep going. But unfortunately, so do the Baltimore Ravens. And we talked about that earlier. The Baltimore Ravens are finding themselves right at the same time. These teams are careening towards each other, and they're going to clash on Christmas Day and we're going to see whether the Grinch shows up in Pittsburgh or whether it's a great day for Santa, and I'm hoping that. But before that happens, there's two very important games, and we cannot lose sight of that. We just talked about this being a very good test against, like uh, the last caller said, a very solid team. It's a very weird team, though. You know, a Rex Ryan-led team – they're sort of bipolar to me. You just don't know what you're going to get with a Buffalo team. But this time of year, you know what you're going to get for the Pittsburgh Steelers team. You're going to get motivation. They do not falter down the stretch. In fact, they seem to find themselves down the stretch and getting ready to accept the challenge of a playoff run. And I think this challenge is something that they have already accepted, and they're looking towards burning through and beating these teams and say, look, you thought we were a part of the equation at the beginning of the year. We stumbled, but we're back up, and we are a part of the equation. Yes, the wild card is still a chance for this team, especially with the schedule that the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos have down the line. This is currently the seventh seed. I mean, they're tied for, with uh, Miami for the seventh seed right now. They do lose that tiebreaker, but I see Miami going down. So they have so many possibilities to get in, but the best way to get in is win out. And this is something that this team can do. They remind me a little bit of that 2005 team that has to take one game at a time, and I think they're going to go ahead and do it. And I'm looking really forward to seeing what they can do against Buffalo because with that running back in LaShawn McCoy being one of the best in the league, you stop him, you feel like you could beat the world, and you can beat the uh, rest of the AFC down the stretch. And if you beat a running back like this and also a running quarterback, corral him, there's nothing you really can't do on the way to the end of the season and through the playoffs, Jeff. You know, I agree with you, Brian. And for my final call, it's going to really piggyback what you just said. A lot of people have asked me, family, friends, what do I want for Christmas this year? And what I've been asking for deep down is I want a meaningless Cleveland Browns game. And what, what what does that mean? I don't say that actually publicly, but I say that in terms of if the Steelers can beat the Bills and if the Steelers can beat the Bengals, okay, and if the Patriots beat the Ravens, the Steelers will have a one-game advantage going into that Christmas Day matchup that you talked so eloquently about. And if the Steelers hold serve at home that week 
17 game against the Cleveland Browns will be absolutely meaningless because they'll have already clinched the division. And that I would love nothing more than to go sit back on New Year's Day, watch Landry Jones and <laughs> Gerald Toussaint and Kobe Hamilton light up the bums that are the Cleveland Browns because the Steelers game means nothing. And they're going to be preparing for the playoffs. That's what I hope for. But it all starts this Sunday, week 14. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. They're going up to upstate New York. It's going to be a tough game. We'll be here the day after on Monday night, next Monday, for another episode of the Steelers Hangover. Hopefully they advance their winning streak from three games to four. For Brian Anthony Davis, I'm Jeff Hartman of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.